Jeremiah chapter 3, verse number 14. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord. Well, who's that? That's backsliding Israel. That's the nation in context. For I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Now, this is prophetic. We, we made reference to that this morning. Uh, and this is going to come to pass when that nation, Israel, will be converted. So it's prophetic. But I'm going here because we're running the word pastor through our Bible and we see it here in Jeremiah 3. Uh, what, what does according to mine heart mean? Well, one is, it says, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. A pastor really needs to have some of that. <laughs> He's got to have some knowledge of the word of God. He has to have some understanding about the things of God so that the flock of God can be fed the word of God. And we can make a very simple application of that. Uh, even though we're Jeremiah three is a, is a prophetic passage talking about the nation. We can make some practical application. Um, how can he love if he's not experienced the savior's love? You, you, you see, there, there has to be some knowledge and some working understanding of, who God is, what God's love really is about. And you, you want to, you know, you have to exhort people to set their affections on heavenly things. Yet the pastor has his view and his affections on earthly things. It's, it's not going to, it's not going to work. So there, there has to be this knowledge and an understanding of where the priorities are. Are they on earthly or are the affections on heavenly? That has to be there. In 1 Peter 5, we, we see that it says uh, any, anyone that's a leader in a local church, their job, if they're, if they're teaching the word of God, is to feed the flock of God. It's God's flock. And God's flock has to be fed. Uh, and it, it goes on to say, which is among you. That's talking about the leaders, it, it, it says, taking the oversight thereof. But before it says taking the oversight, it says, um, feed the flock of God, which is among. So there's this idea of being among the flock. In other words, I am a sheep amongst all the other sheep. I'm part of the herd. <laughs> the pastor is part of the herd. Yes, there's oversight with any of the leaders. There has to be some oversight, but we don't lose sight of the fact that we are all still sheep. We are among each other. And it's not by constraint, but willingly. No one should have their arm twisted. And it's not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. We talked a little bit about that this morning. Neither is being lords over God's heritage. 
but in samples to the flock. That's out of First Peter 5. Um, but again, whose heritage is it? Whose flock is it? We can't lose sight of that. That's a mindset. That's a biblical mindset that we, we need to have. Um, okay, now let's go over to the New Testament um, because we are New Testament Christians and get the book of Ephesians. I want you to stay with me. This will, um, this will challenge you a bit um, tonight. The Bible says uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, let, let's read verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering. Forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as you're called and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us. That wouldn't be just one person. That would very clearly be each and every person is given grace. Are we all given grace? According to the measure of the gift of Christ. Is it a gift? Grace is a gift? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get that. Verse 8, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave, here it is again, gifts unto men. Were we saved by grace? Is grace a gift from God? We get that. That's simple. It's easy to understand, right? We are all saved by the same grace of God. And when we are saved, God gives us gifts by his grace. Gift slash gifts. We all aren't going to have the same gift. But if you're saved, you have a gift. We'll just do a little side trail and then we'll get right back on the main path. And and let me say this. When it comes to evangelism, witnessing to the lost, that isn't a gift. That is a command by God to his saints. Now, you might have some spiritual gifts that will help you in various aspects of that command of that commission. Amen. We can say that, but the idea that being a witness for the Lord, well, I just don't have that gift. Don't blame the Holy spirit for something you're not willing to do. (laughs) Right now we're not going down evangelism hole tonight. Um, but it is a command given by God to every Christian. It's not a gift. And all of us can play a part in that, whether it is, uh, praying, whether it is, Uh, Folding tracks, whether it's passing tracks, whether it's open air preaching, whether it's uh, giving to the work of we we can all play a part in it. But that's not a gift. That is a command. In verse number nine, let's get back on track here. It says, uh, verse nine, now that he ascended. What is it but that he also descended first in the lower parts of the earth? 
He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And watch verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists were saved by grace. It's a grace, a gift to God, right? We saw now in verse nine, we see that um, those that are saved by grace now get gifts from God. And that's also by his grace. He gives us gifts. And did he give everybody? Okay. So what would an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist? They were given gifts, a gift from God. We, we see how that ties in. Look at verse eight again. When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Notice apostles, semicolon, prophets, semicolon, evangelists, semicolon, pastors. Is there a semicolon? No, it's tied in with the word and teachers. And then there's the semicolon. So pastors and teachers, it's grouped in together. And it is a gift given by God. What is that gift for? Verse 12, the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man of the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why else? Well, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. We're saved by grace. We're given gifts by God, by his grace, for the uh, perfecting of the saints, all the stuff we just read. Um, and, and ultimately, who is the head? Christ, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the head. Last verse. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Man, that's a lot. 1 through 16 all kind of ties in really nicely. And let me say this. And we'll get more into this next session when we go over deacons, elders, bishops. A gift is something that is given to you by the grace of God. An office is something that you must qualify for and meet specific qualifications for that office. And when we see the word pastor show up in the New Testament, it's under the heading of a gift. And he should be exercising his gift among the saints, among the sheep. He never ceases to be a sheep. There's some oversight involved with it, I'll hold the thought and we'll get back to it and, and we'll get back to it later.
because we should understand here this punctuation that I talked about, pastors and teachers combined into one and into one gift. Now, what does that mean? In order to teach, you have to be able to pastor. And in order to pastor, you have to be able to teach. In other words, you. Okay. I have a very extensive martial art background. I have known some excellent, excellent competitors. They can go out and you put them in a competition. They find a way to win. They're just excellent at that. If you put them on the mat and ask them to now teach those that aren't really good competitors, it just falls apart. They just can't. They just can't grasp that idea of teaching someone else. Mm -hmm. But if you put that competitor in front of a good teacher, that good teacher will, will bring out in that competitor something that nobody else could. That's teaching. I've also had some very, very good jiu-jitsu instructors who they just really did not like I don't think they'd like people <laughs> they were mean <laughs> now maybe their background kind of you, you could say that maybe that was a reason why they were, they were like that but what I'm saying is there's teaching and then there's pastoring there's caring I believe God wants both of those to be balanced out so that there's there, there, there has to be. Look, it's nice guys have YouTube channels and they can teach the word of God. And I'm not against that. But they don't have to care for anybody. <laughs> That's kind of nice. <laughs> Except. It's not pastoring. If you listen to somebody online or I listen to somebody online, they might be a good teacher. I might learn something from them. But there's no pastoring there. There's no caring there. This is why the Internet is growing so well. People are trying to get away from relationships and they just want to pick and choose who and what they want to listen to. What am I saying? It's pastoring and teaching. It's combined in the one. There's teaching, but there's caring. And it's a back and forth thing. And it's not an easy balance to do. If somebody is called to preach, look, they can start a YouTube channel and preach. You can go and, and start a jail ministry. You can start a nursing home ministry. You can do some open air preaching. You don't have to really get into full-time care. So there's teaching and pastoring. Nourishment needs to be provided. That's what we strive to do here at Pilgrim. Not only the nourishment from the word of God, right? We're supposed to be fed from the word of God, right? Yes, that's there. But there is also the nourishment that comes along with the flock 
you don't, you never see sheep um, not together. When it's scattered, it's weak. You always see the herd together. Now, look, we can't be with each other Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right? We get we have our own families and our own lives, so we all understand that. But in the context of sheep, there's unity, there's togetherness, there's okay, there's a task. Now that flock comes together and solves that and comes up with a solution to that task that's at hand. And the flock gets nourished. There's more to being nourished than just being fed the word of God. It's the flock with proper oversight, being able to work together. The pastor should be able to provide pastoring in the sense of enough care and enough freedom where the sheep aren't micromanaged for every little thing. Now, I don't know if you've been in churches like this in the past or not. I have, and I've heard stories of others that have had worse experiences where <laughs> you, you couldn't buy a meal on a Friday night unless you had the preacher's permission. I mean, it, you know, you couldn't buy a vehicle unless you had gotten written permission from the pastor. And, and all of this micromanaging... Where is that in the Bible? It isn't in the Bible. The pastor isn't everybody's daddy. He's there as a sheep. Yes, he's taking some oversight. Yes, he has a more vocal position, if you will. But he is to teach the saints, guide if needed, advise if needed. But if you can't figure out whether or not you should spend $20 or $30 on a meal, we need to kind of start all the way back in the beginning, okay? There needs to be some maturity that the saints have without the pastor micromanaging everything. He has to give people time to learn, to grow, to fail. To improve, to change. One way a pastor cares is by giving people space, space to think, space to chew on that, space to decompress, space to have some quiet time and just pray about something. That's pastor. People need time to absorb things. Too many preachers are the cold shoulder. That's no way to be. That's not a caring character trait. The whole idea of pastoring isn't, hey, don't bother me. Don't approach me. Don't you dare question me. Don't you know that I'm the man of God? No, you're not the man of God. <laughs> you, you're, not, you're not a man. If you act, That is not a manly thing to do. 
That is a weak, yellow-spined way to act. That's a childish way to act. That's an adult. That's a, that's a person taking an adult fit. That is not character. That is not the way God would want us to act. You can't be distracted. You can't be disinterested. You can't be indifferent. A pastor is to be interested. He's supposed to care. That's pastoring. Well, he knows the Bible. Yeah, but he doesn't care about anybody. That means he thinks he's superior to all the sheep. And this cold approach, all it does is it drives a wedge. And it separates and scatters the sheep. It's a wedge driving trait, not a unity building trait. All right, let's go to Ephesians 2 and we'll come back to the thought I had about pastoring being a a pastor teacher is a gift. Some people have the gift. Some people do not have the gift. Now you can hone it. You can, you can study to show yourself approved. You can get some experience and we, we all know that to be true. But let me ask you this. Okay. We're in Ephesians two, right? Is salvation a gift from God? It is. Can you do anything to earn that gift? No, you can do nothing to earn it. Ephesians 2, verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, and the good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. If we just read in Ephesians, four, we just read in Ephesians two, salvation is a gift from God. We just read in Ephesians four, we're saved by grace. God gave gifts by His grace to us. One of those gifts, pastoring and teaching. Can I earn that gift? I don't think so. I really don't think you can. When you see. Uh, uh, bishop, elder, deacon in the Bible, you know what it says? And we're going to look at this next lesson. We'll look at it in context or in detail of the context. It says he must be. Does the Bible say you must be born again? Are there any ifs, ands, or buts about you? This must, must happen. Bishop, deacon, elder, it's a must be Husband of one wife. Does that have anything to do with a gift? No, that's an office you have to qualify for. Can someone that's 25 years old have the gift of pastoring and teaching? I believe he can. Can that same 25-year-old meet the qualifications that's required to be a deacon or elder or bishop? No, I don't think he can. 
And we'll get more into detail on this, but so let me just say this for tonight. If you're going to make the pastor a deacon, an elder, bishop, then every single guy that's preaching in the pulpit is automatically disqualified. <laughs> because you either have to keep all of the qualifications or you have to throw them all out. There certainly are men who have the gift. They're just not qualified to be a deacon or an elder bishop. But they have the gift to be able to teach the word of God. The other problem is not only do deacon elder bishops need to have one wife, they also need to have children. So that would mean every man that is gifted by God to teach the word of God, if he is married and he doesn't have children, he's disqualified. How are we going to connect those two together? Well, we'll do that next lesson. But let me say this, for tonight, we've got to have some type of hook, is as they call that, the hook to get to the, we'll tie all that in next time when we go over bishop, deacon, elder, all that. But what I'd like us to hone in on tonight is the idea of having a gift from God and having that gift being exercised amongst the saints. And the real, the, the, the real reason is that um, people don't want a pastor that's been divorced. That's why they have to make a deacon, elder, and all that. Because they just don't want a divorced man preaching the word of God. The, 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 I don't either. <laughs> Nobody does. But, well, some do. But I will say this. If you take that requirement for the for the and you apply it to the pastor, you have to apply all the other requirements. Or the argument kind of falls apart when you just pick one and you don't pick them all. Can someone who is gifted by God as a pastor teacher, can he also meet all of the requirements for deacon, elder? But yeah, he sure can. But I don't think everyone does. You have a young fella. He's 25 years old. He's out of Bible school. A pastorate position opens up in a, in, a, in a local church. He candidates for that. That church recognize him. He comes in to preach and teach the word of God. You know who that young fella needs to have over him? Some wise older elders to make sure that young fellow isn't going to run the thing amok. <laughs> and God has some qualifications for some offices in the, in the local church so that nobody's above the word of God. All right, got a little bit ahead of myself, but kind of felt like we needed to. Now, are you saved tonight? You've got some gifts from God, right? I'm saved tonight. I've got some gifts from God. Can we all misuse those gifts? You bet we can. You bet we can. And because of that, God has some checks and balances in place for that purpose. 
and we'll start to unravel those as these lessons go on. Let's get Romans 12. Oh boy. Romans 12, verse number 3. Bible says, for I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. First thing, don't think that you're so hot, because none of us really are. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. Having then, here it is, verse six, gifts differing according to what? The grace that is given to us. Again, we see the word gifts show up and the word grace show up. God has graciously given us all gifts. Now watch this. Whether prophesy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. The, the gift of prophecy, that is not to foretell the truth, it's to foretell truth also. There's, there's, there's both, there's Old Testament prophets that foretold truth. Now, you can be a New Testament prophet. You are not foretelling truth. You are forth-telling truth that's already been revealed. But what am I keying in on here is that the whole idea is let us. There needs to be an allowance given for people to exercise their gifts. Watch verse 7 or ministry. Here it is. Let us wait on our ministering or he that teacheth. On teaching. You see that? You just got to let us. You have to give the allowance and let people exercise their God-given gifts. Verse 8, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without Dissimulation. That's hiding under a false appearance. It, it's basically hypocrisy. And if we let love be, if we let us, like we've, we've read in those few verses, if we just let people serve according to the gift that's, that, that's been given to them by God, by his grace, the work grows. If somebody has the gift of teaching, let's get them in a Sunday school class. If they're an ex-veteran and they have the gift of teaching, let them do a veterans, a discipled veterans ministry. Look, the brother we had in speak about it. If they're a recover, recovering unanimous and, and, and that, that whole ministry with addiction and God's given them the gift of teaching, 
Let them prophesy. Let them teach. It's, it's giving the allowance for people to be able to serve. That's the whole idea, I believe, in, in Romans 12. Um, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. All right, let's go to John 10. We'll do John 10 and 1 Peter 2, and then we'll be done. John 10, verse 11. The Bible says, I am the good shepherd. And you know who's speaking there, right? <laughs> it's, that would be none of us. That would be Jesus Christ. He's the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. We're all sheep. All of us, me as the pastor included, are commanded by Jesus Christ to follow him as the good shepherd. But he, that is an hireling. What is a hireling? That is somebody that only serves for money. It doesn't mean that someone that serves and they get paid for serving and they take a paycheck or they take a salary, that doesn't mean they're a hireling. Okay? It means it's someone that will only serve. They're only in it for the money. And let me tell you, all the preachers that I know, <laughs> ain't none of them, ain't none of them getting, none of them are running Lear jets, okay, from meeting to meeting, okay? None of them are. A hireling is someone, they're only in it for the money. I'll serve if you pay me. And that's not what God wants. Now, if someone does get paid, I know many pastors that, that, that take a salary. They're not hirelings. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling. And here's the word, and careth not for the sheep. There is a gift that is given to a pastor to be an under-shepherd, if you would. And his job is to care for the sheep so this doesn't happen. And this is why I'm so big on making sure we go by the word of God and we have the right Bible and we have the right doctrine with eternal security and we have truth so that we don't get tossed to and fro and the whole thing's a mess. A good pastor cares for the sheep and he doesn't want this to happen. He cares for them.
He cares for them. A pastor cares. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the father knoweth me, even so know I the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down on myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. No one sheep is more important than any other sheep. And yes, the gift of pastors and teachers, it is a leadership position. It is a vocal position. He is expected to be up front opening the word of God and teaching it. But he never, he never stops being a sheep. The other sheep should come to recognize him as having that gift. The other sheep should get to know him. The other sheep should get to trust him. And it should be evidence that that gift is being exercised properly amongst the saints. Now, scripturally, if we stay scripturally, that's a pretty high calling. It's by observing leadership that it should become evident that God has entrusted him for the care of his sheep. But too many people look at it vertically. And I believe God looks at it horizontally. Meaning God looks down and I believe he sees us all in the same plane. We're all sheep. But I believe man and religion sees it vertical. Up and down. You know, kind of like the Roman Catholics. You know, there's God, then there's the Pope, then there's the Bishop, then there's the Cardinal, then there's the Priest, then there's the laity. It's up and down. And we need to be careful because even some Baptist camps see this thing this way, up and down. The denomination, the seminary, the man of God. The deacons, the elders. The people. Is there leadership? Yes. But I believe God sees it this way. I believe he sees us all as sheep on a horizontal plane. Last verse, and I'll be done. First Peter. I know you want more on the deacon, elder, bishops, and we'll do that next lesson. That's all I have for you tonight on that. First Peter 2. First Peter 2. First Peter 2, verse number 5. Verse number four, to whom 
coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, that's us, as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood. Do we have Pilgrim Baptist Church on our side? You know, there's some distinctives. There's some recognition when you see that word Baptist. And one of them is we all have and are all part of the same priesthood. <laughs> An holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Last verse, it says in verse 9, but ye are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. The pastor ain't royalty. <laughs> I've been in churches where there's been two or three men that are sitting in the pews that know just as much or more Bible than the preacher does. The pastor's not royalty. We're all royalty. We're all part of the same priesthood. We got to quit it with this up and down thing. And we got to get on this level playing ground. I'm not against leadership. I'm not against having structure. I'm not against order. I'm not against any of that. What I'm saying is we all better just get in the same flock and be happy being sheep that can be used by God. I'm not about throwing out qualifications. I'm about keeping them. I'm not about lowering the bar. I want the bar raised higher. I do. But not at the expense of us staying on the same plane and just being happy being in a little flock, all of us just as sheep and being thankful that we all are part of the royal priesthood, the holy nation, and we're peculiar people and let us show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's, let's stop there tonight.